Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Prince Charles' charity is dragged into a police investigation. And we talk with the person who first filed the complaint. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's royal correspondent. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher in the U.S. And this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jack, and welcome to the show. We have a big story to cover today and a special guest to talk us through it all. That's right. The UK police announced they will investigate Cash for Honours allegations, which shook Prince Charles's charity to its core. Yes, indeed. The chief executive of the Prince's Foundation, Michael Fawcett, faced claims that he offered to help secure citizenship and knighthood for a Saudi tycoon last year. The story may sound familiar because that was in September last year. He resigned in November 2021 over the claims, but the matter is far from over. Norman Baker is a former UK government minister, a policing minister, in fact, and he wrote the letter lodging the first complaint about this matter with the police back in September 2021. And now he joins us today. Norman Baker, thank you so much for joining us today. We so appreciate your being here. You're welcome. Now, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about how all of this began? Well, it was very clear from the letter which appeared in one of the Sunday papers, the Mail on Sunday, that um, there was an exchange uh, set out in that letter from Michael Fawcett, which is basically that if um, this particular Saudi individual was to contribute to the Prince's Foundation, then in return for that, uh, there would be help with um, an honour and possibly some help with uh, uh, nationality status. Uh, in my view, that presented a primary facie case of uh, an offence being committed under the Honours Act 1925. And in that case, that was uh, tantamount to corruption. That's why I wrote to the police in September to ask them to investigate this matter. I'm delighted they've replied to me today to say that they're taking it forward. So when you say taking it forward, tell us what you mean. Well, they've now said they're going to investigate it properly. That means they'll talk to relevant witnesses and they'll examine the case and they'll work out whether an offence does need to be pursued uh, via the Crown Prosecution Service under that particular act. To me, it's an open and shut case, but we'll see what the police make of it. So... If I'm understanding correctly, that means criminal charges could be in Prince Charles's future? Well, possibly. I mean, uh, you know, Michael Fawcett wrote the letter, but uh, it's my view that Michael Fawcett didn't do anything without Prince Charles's say-so, because the two are inextricably linked uh, over the years. And Michael Fawcett has been the agent who has helped secure money for the Princess Foundation and enabled the Prince Charles to meet, for example, individuals over dinner and so on, who were then contributing to all his foundation. So... It's inconceivable for me to believe Michael Fawcett was acting without Prince Charles's say-so. So Prince Charles clearly needs to be spoken to by the police. I need to make an assessment as to whether or not he is a person behind this, as I think he, he may be. The police need to pursue this without fear or favour, based on the evidence before them. That's what I would expect with any police inquiry. So a little bit of background on Michael Fawcett. He used to be Prince Charles's valet, didn't he? And I understand that they were so close, there was a brief period when he squeezed the toothpaste onto Charles's toothbrush. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they are they were very close. So we're talking really here about somebody who was more than just a normal charity chief executive. He was a yes. kind of confidant, I think he's been described as, hasn't he? 
that's uh, that's probably a polite way of putting it. I don't think uh, <laughs> Prince Charles didn't do anything without Michael Fawcett. And what we know from previous history, where Michael Fawcett had to resign twice for actions he took previously, uh, which in my view are Prince Charles's responsibility, is uh, what's happened before is that Michael Fawcett resigns, uh, a, a period of time elapses, is then brought in by, back, back in by the back door um, and given uh, some financial compensation and resumes his position. And I'm sure that's your plan here. Michael Fawcett will, will go, as he's gone, I think. Uh, Prince Charles will let some time pass and then he'll be brought back in. Well, you know, that's not very dignified for Prince Charles. He needs to man up and take responsibility for what's happening in his name, not pass it on to others. You know, we don't want minions thrown under the bus. Thank you very much. Although that is often the royal way, right? That doesn't make it right. Yes, yes. Now, this is just one case of, you know, cash for citizenship or cash for titles and so on. How common is this? Is this something that's happened in the royal family in the past? Well, I think the honour system has been discredited by politicians and by the members of the royal family alike. But, you know, let me give you a parallel. Back in uh, the early part of the century, uh, I revealed that Peter Mandelson, the then Secretary of State, had uh, secured money from the Hinduja brothers uh, in order to finance the Millennium Dome. And in return for that, he helped him with the nationality requirements. Not dissimilar to what's happening here. Well, as a consequence of my revelations, uh, Mike, Peter Mandelson had to resign. Um, so if we're going to follow that logic through, what's Prince Charles going to do? This is sounding like this really cuts to the core of royalty in the 21st century, doesn't it? Because these are posi- we've had conversations about Prince Andrew and how you deal with him. You know, royals do not generally resign. You know, royals don't generally get cancelled. Well, no, they can't get cancelled. You can't sack Prince Andrew. He'd been sacked by now if you could have sacked Prince Andrew. No, the fact of the matter is that um, they are hereditary and they are there, whether we like it or not. But the thing is that uh, while the Queen is respected, greatly respected by many people, she is 95 and she isn't going to go on forever. We've now got the heir to the throne um, who is being uh, subject to, well, at least part of a police investigation. And you've got Prince Andrew with all the baggage he brings. And, uh, you know, the future of the royal family looks a bit shaky after the Queen goes, if you ask me. Norman, thank you so much for joining us. And it's been fascinating hearing about uh, about the update you got from the police today. You're welcome. Well, Jack, I think Norman is spot on when he's saying that uh, things may be looking a little bit shaky about the future of the monarchy after the queen is gone. If this is the hands that she's leaving the monarchy in, Charles, with this scandal, and not to mention everything with Andrew, I mean... It's not looking especially good, is it? The whole royal world, I feel, has been turned upside down over the last week, Kristen, because we've obviously, it's got to the very start of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee year, and um, she has clearly tried to move to secure the future of the monarchy and provide some kind of finality and clarity on what lies ahead. So she gave that message to her public on the eve of a session day, uh, where she said that um, Camilla... Prince Charles' wife, um, will be known as Queen Consort rather than Princess Consort when Charles comes to the throne. Um, and so she's she's tried to kind of create all this certainty. And then Andrew's gone and settled his, his uh, case with Virginia and uh, Virginia Jeffrey. And um, Prince Charles now his charity is at the centre of a police investigation. The Queen's attempt to, you know, make things look stable and look forward to a future, uh, the next generation and so on. Not everybody's happy about that news either, uh, as far as Camilla being 
the queen consort as opposed to the princess consort, I'm seeing a lot of mixed reception to that news. Not everyone's excited about that. Do you know what? I think Prince Charles is going to have some kind of goodwill vouchers with the public when he takes the throne once the queen passes away. His mother will just have died and the country will be in mourning. But for me, he really needs to use those goodwill vouchers on stuff like this police investigation. You know, he needs those. He needs that goodwill to buy him out of the other crises that are happening. And the thing with Camilla and the Queen Consort title is it's just so easy to solve that problem by co- by making her princess consort. I don't see the logic or the strategic ob- goal of, uh, you know, kind of doing something that is going to upset a few people uh, when the problem's so easy to solve. Yeah, I mean, Prince Philip, he was the prince consort. It's it's not that big of a deal to the public to have a prince or a princess consort. We can handle that, right? The public can handle that. Nobody would bat an eyelid. <laughs> and the thing about it, for me, one of the qu- things that the Queen has always done really well during, or certainly ordinarily does really well during her 70-year reign, has been to kind of make these symbolic sacrifices. You know, this is how she shows leadership. It's leadership through sacrifice. Um, and I think there's kind of an attitude in the Charles camp that making Camilla princess consort will it would kind of make her inferior or make people like her less. I actually think it will make people like her more. Yes, I agree with that. There's something humble about that. And it also is following through on what we were told in 2005, that she was never going to be the queen consort. So there's something about it that almost feels going back on their word she wasn't supposed to be queen consort. No, absolutely. I think that bond of trust is really important. And the other thing about it is, for me, what I really want to see from Charles is I want to see him trying to forge that really close bond with the British public that the queen has had for 70 years. And um, I don't think that this is forging that bond. I mean, it's it's a major win for Charles in the sense that he's been campaigning internally for this for years. Um, But it's not helping him with the task at hand, which is to, to kind of create a really strong connection with the British public. Yeah, and I'm sure Charles is very, very happy about this title for Camilla, but I think that he has his head in the clouds. He needs to pay attention to how everything else that he and his brother have done have reflected so poorly on the family and on the public's perception of them. And let's not forget, Charles was never the popular royal anyway. He, he He's always been one of the least popular royals from the get-go. Uh, even before Diana, he was, and certainly after Diana, he has in public surveys never been super popular. So I think that he needs to do what he can to curry public favor now because he, you know, he hasn't had it historically. And uh, his and his current actions aren't helping. I think that you're now looking at a situation where so Prince Harry hasn't actually reacted yet to this um, announcement about Camilla. So it would be really fascinating to hear what he thinks about it. And we might actually get an opportunity to, because obviously his memoir is coming out um, towards the end of 2022. So that's going to really create an opportunity to get an inside look at what his relationship with Camilla is like. He has spoken positively about her in the past, but it just strikes me as, as quite interesting that he hasn't responded to this yet. I don't actually think it's that interesting because William hasn't spoken publicly about it either, has he? There's been guidance given to one of the British newspapers that he was supportive and the um, William and Catherine's uh, Twitter account retweeted the Queen's statement. Kind of a tacit, standoffish version of approval, but not... <laughs> yeah, it's not neon lights and it's not shouting it from the rooftops, but it is a kind of... I'm. It's a, I think you could probably interpret that as I'm willing to go along with it. Yes, yes. Although that's his job. He's the future king. 
he does have to go along with what the next in line wants to do, right? That is absolutely right. Yes. And I mean, he's sort of part of that bit, that message from the Queen as well, because the Queen confirmed definitively that they the royals are not going to skip a generation to Prince William, which was probably always a slightly speculative point of debate within royal reporting. But it has been an issue discussed down the years. You know, William's so much more popular than Charles is. Um, should they just skip a generation and go straight to King William and Queen Catherine? But we now know that's not going to happen. The Queen used the phrase, when Charles is king. So that that issue's been put to bed as well now. Well, the Queen, as I've said before, she comes from hardy stock. So if she's anything like her mother, we don't really have to address any of these questions for another seven to ten years. (laughs) That's very true. Be sure to follow us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives, and riff on all things royal. And if you're not already, follow us on Twitter. I'm Jack underscore Royston, and Kristen is at Kristen Meinzer. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jack Royston. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And a curtsy to you all.